Happy Hour, the officially unofficial podcast for Mad Men on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 5, Episode 10, titled Christmas Waltz. Uh, obviously, it's Christmas time. Really? Uh, around the office, yeah. What gave it away? Uh, it was a little bit of the title, a little bit of the episode. <laughs> uh, I gotta admit, it was a combination. Fair uh, enough. What did you think of this fantastic uh, episode? Let's see. Hmm... It's another one of those episodes where it's kind of hard to quantify. I mean, it was it was it was awesome. Uh-huh. It had I I got to see a little bit of Lane, um, a lot of Lane. Actually. I I got to see a lot of Don and Joan, mm-hmm. which doesn't happen very often in Mad Men history, yeah, and it's true. fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, overall, mm, give it an eight. Okay. Okay. What about you? Uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, Lane is one of my favorite characters. So uh, anytime he's on the screen, that's good. Uh, and I, I got a prediction coming true this time, so that was pretty awesome with Lane's uh, embezzlement oh, yeah, sort, of, right. sort of stuff. Um, pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it overall. Like you said, it was good to see uh, Don and Joan together, and, and the chemistry there is really good. I mean, all these characters kind of have chemistry together. Uh, I haven't seen any that really don't work well on the screen together, but those two especially. I mean, Don was really schmoozing it up with her. I can't remember where I heard this, but some someone was referring to some someone famous was referring to a list of people they'd had sex with. Okay, and it was in some interview. It might have been John Mayer, funny enough. But they were like listing off names of women he's been connected with, and they threw out Jennifer Aniston, and it was like a word association game. Mm-hmm. The, the word he threw out was uh, sexual napalm. Okay. Don and Joan. On screen is sexual napalm. Hmm. Right there. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into the recap. Uh, right off the bat, we get a call, or Lane gets a call from someone who's saying that the Hansard procedure negotiations are uh, going well, or have gone well, and that he needs to wire them $8,000 in two days. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Lane didn't seem to think that was uh, the definition of going well. Right. He, he was a little less than satisfied with that. But, uh, I mean... The Hansard procedure is basically like the English equivalent of an IRS audit over here. Yeah. Uh, from and, what I can tell. And I guess during this time in England, because I did a little research, and mm. there was a super high progressive tax um, levied by the Labor Party. And the top tax bracket in England at the time pay, paid a super tax of 95% of their income. 95%? Yeah, which I'm sure that means so – you, you know hell. how those brackets work, right? It's like – so it's not like all your income is taxed at that, but every income uh, over – and l- like the Beatles even were – you know, as progressive as they were bitching about it, they wrote a song called The Tax Man uh-huh. that directly like referenced the leaders of the later Labor Party. So Holy you can imagine, cow. especially if, you know, Lane, and I don't know, and, and show doesn't really hint, but if he, it, it made it sound like that he might have tried to do some shady money moving around yeah, with his American connection and the lawyer kind of made a passing reference to, you know, you can't take the crown's money to a yeah. foreign power and yeah, expect them. Yeah, so I, I feel like... Uh, 
this is kind of something that's kind of blown up in his face. Hmm. And you wonder, it kind of, like Breaking Bad, they all, you know, Walt got into cooking meth, the small scale to do this one kind of thing. And he hmm. kept on covering up and covering up and it got bigger and bigger and bigger until yeah. he's murdering multiple people. Hmm. Uh, you wonder if this is, when this is going to catch up with Lane. Uh, man, it's got to catch up soon. It seemed like he was really on the edge of this episode uh, with the Christmas bonus stuff and just trying to find, desperately trying to find money. Yeah, I mean, you, you pointed out earlier in the year that it seemed like he was having money trouble, and I think you mm-hmm. floated the theory that maybe one of the reasons he wanted to keep that wallet was that that's not a, in, you know, that's not a non trivial amount of money that was in i think it was like either 200 or 400 yeah i think it was like 100 or 200 yeah so he and you put together with him delaying payment to the kids boarding school or private school yeah it seemed like he was in dire straits and that all came came true so mm-hmm. I, and and i guess the question is is that going to be a payoff for next season or is that going to be payoff this season well we have another four episodes and i don't know how many more episodes they have lane for this season, mm-hmm. uh, how many they could book him for, but uh, uh, still four episodes left, so I think that could come to a head at the end of it. So I'm going to make a prediction. Mm-hmm. Lane leaves SCDP in disgrace, and Pete mm-hmm. becomes a new named partner. Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> Man, I could see that happening, but I hate it. Mm-hmm. I don't want Pete to become a partner. He's mm-hmm. such a dick. Right. <laughs> so it'd be, well, that would be... Uh, S C S C C C No, it'd be D C S C D C Okay, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I I I'm gonna put that out there. That's what I think is going to be the finale of the season. Because that's hmm. shows that's gonna give Pete's story somewhere, his like wanting and recognition yeah. and nobody being excited and him and Lane physically can you know, fighting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that's all gonna come to a head and that's gonna be the culmination. Sounds good. Sounds there like you a solid prediction. First. Uh, next scene, Harry's in his new office looking pretty pathetic. Uh, when Lane comes in to discuss the first quarter media projections, uh, Lane thinks they're good, but Harry says they're just projections. Like, don't take this too seriously. Well, Lane, I think, is kind of rifling through the company's pockets. Like, yeah. what can I get away with here? What's the scheme? Uh-huh. How can I do something and not get caught? Yeah. So yeah. he's seizing upon, obviously, if the projections are good, you know, he's going to use that to sweet talk his buddy at the bank and to mm-hmm. give him a loan. Bigger loan yep. And thank God no one else at the company knows what the hell's going on at the books. I'm, it's dangerous because Joan is back. Well, and he stole that. I and believe we, he went into her office and cause she's the uh-huh. one that keeps the checks yeah. and stole a check right out of her book. Mm-hmm. And knowing what we know about Jane, uh, uh, Joan and how, I have been calling her Jane. No, he thank her Christ! Jane. I thought for a minute. <laughs> no, just one. I hit the I hit the saucer early today. Sorry, this is castle go 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 down in history or something. Uh, anyway, I thought that as meticulous as they painted her out to be in this new job and how kind yeah. of just so Lane himself did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That this is going to. That's one of the reasons I think it's going to blow up sooner rather than later. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, Harry looks really pathetic. This is the first time we've seen him in his new office, right? In the, right. the Pete's old office. Right. 
uh, man, I can't help but think it looks more pathetic with Harry in there than it did with Pete. Well, because I never, when I first saw the Pete thing, I didn't get how out of place that column was yes. because I felt like there were really <laughs> tight angles to make his office look smaller. So the office mm-hmm. isn't that small, mm-hmm. but those columns, man, wreck it. It totally does. Like whatever the op- opposite of feng shui, uh-huh. uh, did I pronounce <laughs> that right? I think so, yeah. If not, people will tell me. Sure. Uh, whatever the opposite of that, it, that's what was going on in his office. Yeah, and I loved how they kept it center frame for like the first half of that scene. Shway it was just there <laughs> in front of everybody. Uh-huh. Pretty awesome. Uh, so Lane negotiates. Here's the scene with the banker. Uh, he negotiates another 50000 in loans for SCDP. And uh, I noticed here that I hadn't thought about it until this part of the episode is that... Um, there's been a holiday, an obvious holiday, in the last few episodes. Like, we had a Halloween, we had a Thanksgiving, now we have a Christmas. Before that, it was Fourth of July. There have been a lot of obvious holidays. I don't know That's if That's the way America doing... goes, though. All the big <clears throat> events kind of revolve around the holidays. Yeah, yeah. me and uh, Tricky Nicky, uh, I don't know if anyone ever listened to our short-lived Jersey Shore podcast. <laughs> we were debating, like, that every month in America, there's pretty much a designated drinking holiday. Uh-huh. And you just what's run the... down the cal- calendar. What's January. Oh, New Year's Eve. New Year's uh, Day. I guess. I kind of count that as December. All right. I, I think December enough. doubles up and then January. Right. You have to kind of recover the whole. Yeah, and then yeah. you got Valentine's yeah. Day, St. Patty's Day. Oh, April's yeah. kind of weak, but then it comes back strong with uh, Cinco de Mayo. Uh, well, April has Easter. Is that right? Yeah, but that's not a drinking holiday. Well, <laughs> any holiday is a drinking holiday <laughs> if you're where, so. from where I'm from. Uh, yeah, uh, beer, uh, Beaster. Beaster? Yeah, we got that friend that the Sunday after Easter, mm-hmm. he has Beaster. Beer Easter. Where they, yeah, so they go and they hide beer, cans of beer all over his. He's got like nice. 40 acres. Do they, they hide them? I don't know. No, they do not. But they That'd just get several cool. varieties of 24 packs and they hide mm-hmm. them throughout the woods. And then you show up, you pitch your tent, mm-hmm. you go out and collect all your Beaster cans, and then you get nice. hammered that night. Awesome. So It's a, a ritual I can get behind. Uh, so what do you think? Is there any significance to that? Them just constantly hitting the holidays here? Uh, one after the other? Because they haven't done that in previous seasons, really. Hmm. I mean, the last time I can think of a holiday party was the lawnmower incident. Well, you know, I think, yeah, with Roger being forced to... No, well, then they've always hit Christmas pretty hard because then okay. they had the plot line with Roger being forced to wear the Santa outfit. Oh, yeah, that's right. But, yeah, I feel like this year has been a lot more tied to chronology. Yeah. You know, like I can think in times past you had the uh, Kennedy assassination. Yeah. And everybody kind of stopped the pause for that. And, and then that same episode, I believe Martin Luther King was assassinated. Uh, possibly, yeah. Uh, but there was just kind of like little little kind of uh, nods and, and winks to it. But this, this year, every episode has been tied to some kind of current event. Um, yeah. Even in this one, you know, Star Trek, it debuted uh-huh. in September – Mm-hmm. And like two, three months later, uh, Paul Kinsey's writing a treat uh, a, a spec script for him. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's there's a Pretty lot of hilarious. just contemporary references in a way that they did, haven't really done that, that to my knowledge before. I thought that was kind of crazy. We might talk about it later when we get to the script part, but it just seemed weird. Oh, to I me knew that there it. Would be a Star Trek no, as soon as he pulled Seriously? out, yes, as soon as he pulled <laughs> out the script, I'm like, that's a Star Trek script. <laughs> because I'm, I've been a huge Trekkie right. for a long, long time, and I knew, mm. you know, in '66 it debuted, and mm. he seems to kind of be the kind of guy that it would it would be kind of made for, huh? 
Okay. So, anyway. Uh, moving on. Pete tells Don that, or Don and Roger, actually, that Edwin Baker's lost the Jaguar contract. Uh, pretty hilariously, hmm. actually. <laughs> and That guy self-destructed hard. <laughs> yeah, apparently so. He vomited in the guy's lap? Yeah. That's uh, it's messed up. <laughs> what did uh, what'd Roger call him? Bazooka Joe? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, uh, That's messed up. You know, you get one piece of gum stuck in your pubis. <laughs> yep. And your Bazooka Joe. Anyway. Uh, I don't know. Don seems pretty negative about stuff right now. I've, I mean, it's because of the letter, right? Obviously, he's not excited about this Jaguar thing because of the letter. And because, maybe, of their history with And Jaguar. Megan. I mean, I, to Certainly, me, yeah, it was... I mean, he's in the dumps about that. Megan's kind of... It's weird, though, because she's like his reverse muse. Yeah. He got with her, and all of his creative output and drive just kind of left. Yeah. And now that she's getting into acting, he's kind of rediscovering it. But I feel like he still doesn't quite have all that gumption. And it's kind of mm-hmm. telling... That he needs a muse like that because what got him fired up in the episode where he finally gave, you know, for the first time in how long has he gave a, like a, a Don Draper performance? Uh, and at the uh, end, while. when yeah. he gave the rah-rah pep, you know, yeah, we'll the storm the beaches speech. and all that, uh, it was right after his kind of dalliance with, with Joan. Yeah. Sure. Anyway, I think that there's a little bit of synergy there. You think they're they're hinting that maybe Don needs to go back to his old ways to get get his head back in the game? I think that Don's the source of Don's power, at least uh, in the business world, comes from a pretty dark place. Oh, I thought you were going to say something about a sword and a stone. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, Harry visits Paul Kinsey in the Hare Krishna temple. Uh, it's not so much a temple as some dude's apartment with a sheet drug across yeah, right. it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. not much of a temple there. Uh, I did not expect to see Paul back, honestly, and especially in this way. It was no, insane to me. It was... I was like, who is... Oh, wait a I second. I loved it. I loved it. Uh-huh. Because I always hated that character, and seeing him as a shaved head Mooney was pretty sweet for me. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, not a whole lot to go on there. Um, Lane announces then that they have a $50,000 surplus at the, uh, at the meeting and it should be distributed as Christmas bonuses. And he tries to get his bonus early, but Don shuts him down (laughs) and Pete is feeling underappreciated for getting them a meeting with Jaguar. And this is not happy that people aren't giving him blowjobs left and right. Right. About it. Which is funny because he poo-pooed the idea when Lane brought it. Yeah. And everybody's like, it's a car, dumbass. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we kind of now, we, we've surmised what that meant before, but the, after Don's speech where every ad firm, you know, that's is a big firm, you know, they, the day they made it is when they got their first car. So, yeah. obviously a big deal. I'm not sure why everybody is kind of down on it. Maybe the experience before... Where they took the guy out and, you know, bent over backwards mm-hmm. and spent all that time and money courting him. And then it's kind of blew up in their faces. Or, yeah. But it seems like everybody now, whereas before it's like, ooh, Jaguar, it's sexy. Now it's like, well, it's got electrical problems. Uh, they're lemons, you know, all yeah, that. Yeah, Cooper's even. Yeah. about it. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if that's sour grapes or what. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff in this episode that's really pushing the plot line of Sterling Cooper, Draper Price is not doing well. People well, don't care about it, yeah. for one. The partners don't even care. I uh, think it's teetering on the edge of... They have no money. Yeah. Uh, what's going to happen? Because, honestly, they Mohawk just 
cut off all their business. That's the that thing. That was a huge contract for them. What? Yeah, hell yeah, it was. Uh, what Lane did mm-hmm. was already risky. Uh huh. And now they're setting the stage where they might genuinely need that loan. Yeah. Before it was just like, okay, we're going to do this, and you know. and now they've given it to their employees as Christmas bonuses. Uh, not all of it, sure, yeah. but enough that you know this is going to if they go. The thing is, if they go back to get another loan, what's yeah. this guy going to say? He's like, I just gave you a loan that's honest. It was I felt like, did you feel like this? That that banker was kind of like, I'm giving you this loan against my better judgment. Or it's like, this is just projections. We don't want it. But then it's like, eh, okay, whatever. It's just 50 grand. But if he comes back like a month later, yeah. I feel like that guy's going to have like, look, man, you're pushing your luck. I felt like this was the one where the banker was like, eh. It's a little weird, but sure, go ahead. The next one is going to be damn near impossible for them to get. Right. I, I don't know. If they need to take another loan, I don't know that Lane can get it. Oh, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. What do you I, think? I'm agreeing with you. What do you think about how uh, Lane played this cool? This uh, is very projections. And... It's, no, it's just, no, I didn't think he played it cool at all. It was like oh, very oh, Walter White. You know, it's like the uh-huh. second that people were giving him static, he's like, you know, damn it. Yeah, he didn't play it cool. Right. He in and, and he even out. wasn't it Pete that said like, "What has gotten into you, Ebenezer?" Uh huh. And then who jumped in and said, uh, "Last time this turned into a fist fight or whatever." Was that Roger? No, like Don. Don, Don shut last down. And Pete's like, "Well, he's like last time. Yeah, you told me." And yeah, so, yeah. Um, also, I thought it was interesting because the first three episodes I thought had some pretty obvious uh, Christmas Carol references where you mm-hmm. had like you know the ghost of whatever yeah. characters passed and they'd run in situations it's like oh this is what i'm going to become or this is where i came from and uh-huh. all that and i felt like you know maybe the ebenezer reference was a little I mean, obviously it's it's just a funny reference to lane but that motif has come up two or three different times now yeah definitely uh, next scene, Roger. Can you favor us with oh, a, a Lane per, uh, Lane Price impersonation? I, I need one of his lines. Let's, let's like pound a table and say, "Damn it!" <laughs> I, I don't know if I can. Damn it! No, no, that didn't that's work. not good at all. <laughs> no, damn it, Jim. I, I need a good line. He, he he needs a very British line though. That was the that was why it was so good last time because he had the grimy little pimp in there. Grimy little pimp. Yeah, mm. need a very. I think you just make one up. I, I Do the next part of the recap in it. I'm not British. <laughs> next part of the recap. All right, fine. All right, yeah, we'll, no, you're we'll not, try if you're not going to dance for me, monkey, then let's move on to the, me- the recap. Spontaneity. That's where it's at. Uh, so Roger's drunk, and Joan is pissed that Roger's trying to send her money to take care of the baby. And uh, Joan doesn't want the kid to know that Roger's the father, apparently. Yeah, he gets progressively more sloshed. Um, I guess yeah. he's he's commemorating the attack on Pearl Harbor. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, Thinks it was a brilliant move. Well, I mean, after he has, it gets into his cups, <laughs> uh-huh. but it's just like he gets progressively more rip roaring until the point where he comes in with a Hawaiian shirt over his outfit for <laughs> yeah. some random reason. It was awesome. That's the scene, wasn't it? Because uh, Joan comes in and busts him on it. I, I think so. Yeah, because he's talking to the secretary, and yeah. then they go into her office, right, uh, and talk about the baby. Oh, uh, so this is the first time out in the open. Roger mm. says, "That's my baby." Yeah, yeah, you're right. So that's kind of a big milestone. But they did indicate that both of them obviously knew it. Right. They they weren't pretending that it wasn't. Right. So that, you know, there's some speculation about what Roger meant when he goes, there's my baby. And he said, you know, get that that kid out of my way. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think there's any speculation. I think he meant. 
Oh what yeah, he said, at this point, but at, he knew it was veiled enough, and nobody yes, knew. At this point, that was certainly a reference. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, were you surprised to see that confirmed? Uh, a little bit. It. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's been so subtle in the past season that one reference to it that's obvious doesn't make a difference. Honestly, I felt like if they had drugged that out and had it be a dramatic revelation, it had been felt soapy. This actually, oh, yeah. by just being so casual about it, felt more real. Yeah, this is just a conversation that they would naturally have right. about it. Right, So, yeah, that, that scene really felt good. And then the little comment about it, uh, him hitting on the secretary there at the very end, I felt was a good punch in Roger's stomach mm-hmm. uh, as well, about moving on to the next one. And then she calls the secretary's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty good uh, scene. I, it's one interesting post LSD Roger. Yeah, I wonder what he thinks about a relationship with Joan. Wow, I don't know. Not, I feel like he was in a, in his drunken state. So there's several different Rogers. You've got your old Roger, the new enlightened Roger, mm-hmm. and then you got drunk Roger. <laughs> yeah, who is a third. Uh-huh. He, there's he's one as I feel like I'm a preacher and I'm talking explaining the Trinity. That's one aspect <laughs> of the the true Roger. Yeah, Roger. Uh, but yeah, so it's like I don't know what to think about him kind of shamelessly hitting and being schmaltzy with her because he's clearly sauced. Yeah, I mean he's obviously sauced. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Do you think that they are now that Joan is divorced mm-hmm. or is heading towards that? Do you think that they are going to? eventually get together well my question is when did rogers start caring about this kid has he been sending money since day one that's has what it implied send- i thought they heavily implied that did they that, okay. did, but joan keeps sending it back and refuses yeah, it, sure refusing it. I, I didn't know if that was after the lsd trip that he started or not mm. that, that was my question because you forget this to happen new, three months ago exactly if this is new enlightened roger um after the lsd trip maybe he started sending money then uh, I feel like even the old then? Roger, if he knew that that was his kid, he would want to take mm-hmm. care of it. Okay. I, I thought I picked up a hint of something that said to me, hey, this is enlightened Roger who's doing this, really? not the old Roger. Huh. But but I can't remember exactly what it was to me. I, Ro- I mean, Roger's a cad, but he always seemed kind of a stand-up guy to that, in yeah, that regard. Yeah, gotcha. You know? Sure. All right. Um, we go back to the Harry Christian Temple, and Harry is really getting into it. He is chanting. Hell yeah, he is. He is uh, having a grand old time. Having a vision, you later find out. Uh, yeah, yeah. They leave the uh, the temple, and Paul tells him that he needs to get... He needs to... Uh, he needs help to get Lakshmi. Is that her name? Lakshmi uh, to leave the compound. Yeah, who I thought until I looked it up, was somehow a younger Juliet Lewis. Yeah, she looks a lot like her. Crossed with... A lot. Um, God damn, who was the girl in Edward Scissorhands? Uh, she played Spock's mom in the new Star Trek reboot. It's, I, it's not Demi Moore. It's <laughs> uh, no, no idea. Oh, fuck. There's like a thousand people screaming at their, <laughs> their uh, pod, podcasting device right now. Sure. But her, as like a cross between that and Juliet Lewis, is actually Anna Wood, which I've never seen in anything else. No, I so. don't know the name. Uh, but yeah, I guess her name was Lakshmi. Yeah. Uh, I've got some stuff to say about Lakshmi later I on. I've got a lot to say about her, too. Okay. Um, I don't think this is the scene for it, though. Okay. But, but Paul wants to leave the compound. He wants to leave this, this religion, but he wants Lakshmi to go with him. So I'm convinced. Fused. I feel the same way about him that I did about Boyd in season one of, of Justified. Is he? Does he know this is all full of shit and he's seriously only doing that with Lakshmi? For Lakshmi, or yeah. does he? 
or is he like this hybrid blend of Manhattan ad man and true believer the where he's yeah. self-aware enough to analyze it with his kind of cynical, more, you know, nuanced view of the world because he's obviously it's like, you know, talking about the cult leader. It's like he never really likes me mm-hmm. and I keep track of who likes him more and he wants her. Yeah. You know, it's like I want her, but I want her out of the cult. Yeah. But still with a little bit of the trappings. They really walk a fine line with Paul in this episode uh, yeah. in, in regards to that. Because I never feel like he has totally bought into it, but I never feel like he totally disbelieves everything they're teaching. Him. Well, I mean, he does come across as like the ultimate poser, right? And he's been like that throughout In some ways, the yeah. whole run. I mean, his mm-hmm. affectations with pipes and beards and I mean, even <laughs> yeah, yeah. even dating the black woman that he did felt like an affectation, hmm. yeah. strangely, in a way that like Lane did not. Like it did it's like, this is a cool thing for me to do. Yeah. Look at me and my black girlfriend. And my pipe. Yeah, and and now he's doing this, and he's, like, totally into it. Like, th- like more so than he should be if he were genuine? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Like, he's I mean, rubbing into people's faces, saying, look at this. Well, I mean, you look at that this dude cool. singing that Harry Harry Krishna song. Like, that guy was, uh-huh. like, enraptured, but then he confesses that he's never really had a vision or really felt it. And yeah. Yeah. Again, I felt right exactly like Boyd. I don't know how much where his full of shitness ends and sincerity begins. Well, he's obviously working on scripts on the side. He wants to be a television writer. Yeah. Uh, he wants to get out of the life with this girl. So uh, I'm thinking he leans more towards the I don't believe this bullshit, but he got hooked up with this girl who I think he has a connection with. And- he does credit it with helping him, though, but I don't know... Yeah. Yeah, but then like, but in the episode ways. he goes, they, you know, they didn't really help him. Which, yeah. I gotta say, I mean, I've got a little bit of experience with cults. Um, <laughs> and I have to say that I felt like they really portrayed it well. And mm-hmm. that every cult, at its heart, is basically an Amway scam. Okay. Like, the, the yeah. people on top are kind of cynical, and they're just all talking about, like, getting in fresh blood and new recruits and yeah. obsessed with numbers and bottom, you know, like, uh, ends justify the means. And I felt like you see all these uh, crazy Harry Krishna youths so passionate about it, and then, like, the preacher looks so bored and jaded as he's doing his little yeah. bells like he's yeah, almost he won't, like gagging mm-hmm. like god you people are so stupid uh-huh. um and then but then you got to think it's like okay so if all cults are amway scams what is in it for the people on top because like mother like uh Lakshmi, but they don't have <laughs> money look at yeah. them they're in a fucking apartment with a sheet i don't know man the uh or whatever his name he did not look like he was rolling in it is it just all power maybe i don't get it i've never got that so that's probably the power thing yeah i don't know uh okay let's move on uh don and megan are watching american hurrah or america hurrah Mm -hmm. uh when they get home don's upset and takes out on megan did you get a chance to research america hurrah at all um I did not, but our black correspondent, Lisa Louise Langford, hmm, good. Uh, stepped up for me. Um, I'll just go ahead and read her comment here. Yeah. 
Uh, she said, uh, since Don didn't have a, uh, isn't likely to have a big storyline in the next three episodes and 67 doesn't have any black history stuff kicking in until April, I decided to augment my senior black correspondentness and look up the significance of that play outside of his anti-advertising rant. America Rock consists of three one-act plays, an interview, TV, and motel, and it was a pretty big deal because it was deemed the first dramatic expression of the anti-Vietnam War movement, which she yeah. thought was interesting because, A, Mad Men's characters don't really seem to think too much about Vietnam, which is accurate. Yeah. I mean, other than Joan's husband, Captain Dr. Harris. Well, isn't that how it was until it really exploded? Until well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it seemed issue. like 67, 68 is when that yeah. really got heated up and people started paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and, in fact, she even says uh, the action over there is about to ramp up in 67, 68. And, yeah. B, because Don and Megan look dressed up and Don definitely looks like he wanted to see My Fair Lady and not some off-Broadway protest play. <laughs> uh, well, especially when the subject matter is so relevant to his work. Well, the thing is, so why do you think, because is the next scene them coming home, or do we have yeah. a scene in between there? No, it's him coming so home. So let's talk about this. Out of, why do you think Don is so offended by the play? Because as Megan says, mm-hmm. he is pretty cynical about the advertising business, too. Uh, yeah, he is, but it is how he's made his living, you know? And he's kind of feeling like, I don't know. I mean, maybe he's cynical about it, but he doesn't hate it, as far as I can tell. Um, oh, I thought he did. Really? I hate enough to really be emotionally abusive towards, towards his wife about it. No, no, no. Are, are we talking about the play or are we talking about... Oh, yeah. I, I was talking, we're talking about, about the, the advertising uh, industry. Mm. He, he doesn't hate the advertising industry. He just thinks there's uh, some crash, some trash in it, uh, as there is in any industry. Well, but, I mean, the letter he wrote about the smoking thing was in its way very scathing indictments. Like, yeah, we sold products that kill people. And we're glad to take yeah, their money. You know? I, I, yeah. I, I, and, and, you know, Megan, who knows, I think. well, Megan, who knows him better than we do, yeah. or if you're going to grant that, um, said, like, you know, you make jokes all the time. It's like, what's the difference? What, mm-hmm. I mean, did you, my thought is, like, I'm pretty broadly sympathetic to causes like Occupy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. But when I see, like, hippies doing street theater, mm. I want to, get a baton and pepper spray and start whomping their asses myself (laughs) because it's just so smug Hmm. and like there's no subtlety i mean that guy laying down on this fucking stage doing this you know um this 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 almost amateur level theater it it just kind of it rubbed me the wrong way and i'm not even an uptight 60s era mad you know ad man yeah, well, I mean, it was it was so in his face, you know, and this this is another symptom of him just feeling out of touch with society, I think, or with modern society, is that uh, he didn't realize that sentiment was really out there in the, right. the mainstream uh, right. consciousness. So to see it so boldly and so in his face, I think it made him kind of hit home a little bit. Right. And said, "Oh man, you're you're part of this. You don't even see the outside where people don't like it." Yeah. I I, I just I think that that's like if you're going to critique consumer culture which i think that's mm-hmm. what megan is like she's like i don't see the big deal it wasn't even really about advertising it's about consumerism mm-hmm. um it's like it's just there's that avant-garde stuff has a way t- to turn even people that are like preaching to the choir off or at least yeah. that's the way it, it hits me well that's that's the whole concept of ham fisting something right right 
Yeah, you don't want to hit it too on the head. Yeah, it's like unless you're a hundred percent attuned mm-hmm. to that way of thinking, you you know, and then you're like, right on, man, right on. You're telling me exactly what I believe. Yeah, like Paul and the Harry Christian Temple. <laughs> right. It's like unless uh-huh. you've drunk the Kool Aid, that is going to just kind of turn you off and probably even hurt, harden your. I mean, that's not speaking the truth of power. That's just you know. You know, going up like uh, screaming at an old man if you're a drunk frat boy. It's like, yeah. You know, even if what you're saying is wise and true, it's just the medium is so over the top. Yeah. Like this podcast. <laughs> and now that I've said that, actually, there's kind of a solid theme of that that cult running even through the ad agency. Oh. You know, I mean, you've got all these guys who are kind of on the inside of this cult, and they the, being the ad agency, and they can't see what's going on out there. They don't. They don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you can make a direct comparison between the, like, the cult me- uh, leader, because cause that kind of trailed off what he was telling people, but he was basically mm-hmm. giving them pep talk about, you know, you know, material possessions mean nothing, and it's which is good, because you have none, obviously, that's why you're here. Uh, yeah. With Don at the end, you know, basically preaching the cult of the advertising, where he's like, you're going to sacrifice your family, and mm-hmm. your time with them at during the holidays, and you're going to, we're going to work you like slaves, yeah. but at the end, we're going to bathe you're going to be baptized in champagne. Uh-huh. And you're going to take the wafer of... It's a very cold like Yeah, you're going to take yeah. the communion of this wafer of our, your Christmas bonus, and that's going to keep... And everybody's, like, cheering in oh, yeah. their way as Harry Krishna as, as the other guys are. Yeah, very much so. Pretty insightful, Jim. Well done. Uh, thank you. We need to move along. <laughs> uh, at dinner, Paul gives Harry a speculative Star Trek script uh, to pass around. It's called The Negron Complex. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to see if this is really a Star Trek episode, but I'm pretty sure it's no, not. <laughs> no, it is not. Although it comes pretty damn close. Yeah, the Klingons in uh, in that were supposed to be. Well, but there was like, um, I forget who told us this. Um, I think it was Jamie. Uh, mm-hmm. There was an episode, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Okay. Have you seen it where like one race... Probably. Has the left side are face yes. white yeah, and the right yeah, yeah. side black, and the uh, other has the left side black and the right side white, uh-huh. and they hate each other. Yeah. They're like, when they see each other, they're like, oh, look how disgusting they are. It's, you mm-hmm. know, and everybody's like, I don't can't even tell the difference between you. Yeah. And they're like highly offended by that. So, you know, to be fair, it wasn't like Gene Roddenberry was afraid of the old bacon gauntlet himself. He could get Certainly. he could get ham fisted. Yeah, the only reason it wasn't extremely ham fisted is because it was guised under this science fiction motif. And even then, come on, even black then, yeah. black face, white face. Obviously. White yeah. face, black face. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I man, I would like I wonder if they actually wrote a speculative Star Trek script for this episode. But see, that's the thing. But people say it's heavy-handed at the time. But like I, I said this a couple weeks ago, go back and watch Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington's Philadelphia. Ooh, never seen it. It's the heaviest-handed shit about homophobia. Huh. Like, if you, you could release it today as almost parody. Wow, okay. About how people, and, and to have a heroic character, you know, basically slurring gays, and then it's like, turns out it's like, gay people are, they're people too, at the uh, end. That was a big revelation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's some serious shit, so I, I feel like you can't really judge, like, that blackface, whiteface might have been super, you know, edgy back in 66, gotcha. yeah. and nowadays and, it kind of looks... seems subtle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But definitely not now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then Lane forges Don's signature on a check. This is when he sneaks into Joan's office and does that. Uh, I wasn't sure exactly what he was doing at first. I thought he was going to take a check and just sign it himself since he's a partner, but he needed two 
two uh, autographs on that thing. Yep. Two signatures. So he had to forge Don's. Uh, that's going to come back to haunt him. Mm-hmm. Mark my words. I kept on thinking someone's going to walk in on him. Yeah. I mean, do you think he did that like the dead of fucking night? Because uh, we've was, seen that office. Like, yeah. I kept on expecting. Until at least seven, it's busy. I kept on expecting Dawn yeah, to come yeah. out of Don's office like, what are you doing, Mr. Price? And he's oh, like, yeah. ah! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, and then they uh, had like Benny Hill music play, and then they had yeah. sped up motion of them chasing each other through the office. That would be awesome. <laughs> That's Mad Men style right there. Hell yeah! For sure. We need a Benny Hill tribute episode. Definitely. Uh, Harry asks Peggy to read the Star Trek script because he really wants to help Paul. Uh, <laughs> Peggy makes some jokes about it. Some pretty funny ones, I thought. He's basically trying uh, to pass the buck, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to tell him the script is terrible. So you tell me it's terrible. So uh, it's not just my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And she can't even get past the title and, like, the concept, you know? <laughs> Yeah, she calls it the Negron Complex. <laughs> no, it's Negron. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. Uh, so Don's daydreaming in his office, not working, when Pete shows up to tell him uh, all about driving the Jaguars and question why he isn't more excited about the Jaguar pitch. But he doesn't get an answer. Don just kind of deflects. Um, what, what's up with Don? Because I know he's bummed that he's... He's not been into his work lately. Is he sick? Because he tells Megan in this episode that he's tired. Uh, they're bringing up the letter that's causing him problems before. Uh, he's taking naps. All... He's leaving early. Is this all just a symptom of Megan, or do you think there's something more? Well, I mean, he's getting older. So, like, you know, he's nap. I keep going back to Chekhov's cough. Uh... We've seen a couple times with Don now. I don't know if I'm going to go there with you, but uh, okay. you're free to go I, visit Chekhov That's Jack as far as I'm want. going there. No. I'm going to stick with Sulu. He's fabulous. <laughs> okay. But... Great swordsman, too. I think <laughs> that... And looks good with his shirt off. I think that, you know, I... It's amazing how I felt at 20 versus 25 versus 30 versus 35, and God help me when I get to 40. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this weekend, I took a nap on the couch when my son played video games because I was literally too tired to keep my eyes open. Hmm. That never used to happen to me. I think Don is slowing down this thing with Ginsburg's weighing heavily because he says, I don't think about you. Clearly, I think that was bullshit. He is worried about this guy eating him lunch and being irrelevant, and he doesn't want to be Roger. I mean, how many times has Don called Roger out on his lazy ass, you know... Entitled, has finished. Yeah, what did we say last episode? His ways. Yeah, those, yeah. those the Roger, the way of Roger. Yeah, uh, and that it's that's that Christmas uh, future is staring him in the face now. Yeah, and it's he doesn't doesn't like it, but sure. yeah. you know he's going through, I guess, the stages of grief about his career. And he hasn't quite got to acceptance yet, or. You think you know, so? Or maybe he's going to be in denial and then try to have one more, you know, another comeback. I don't. Maybe I don't know. It seemed like he might try that. Last it does time seem like he's a little energized Ginsburg. by the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so then Joan gets served divorce papers and freaks out on the receptionist, and Don takes her to lunch and they talk about it. Um, you got the scene in there at the dealership as well when he's picking up the Jaguar. I love. Uh, basically buys it almost. I love it because I think Don's the best person to stop the to come in there and swoop. And save the day because yeah, him and Joan have a lot in common. Mm-hmm. I mean, I forget, I don't know how many commenters have called him a histrionic adulterer, <laughs> but he's definitely histrionic, and so is Joan. I mean, throwing shit in the office, really? Yeah. Uh, and yet that that she might be as dumb as a box of rocks, but that you can't talk to people like that. 
Yeah. And it's I not mean, like she... Es- she knew he, better, but she why? just got the divorce why? papers. Why? Why? It's perfectly legitimate for someone to come and say, at the front office, it's not like she let him back there and showed her to the office and all that stuff. She said, a man is here to have you sign for something. Mm-hmm. She's just mad that she's got the. I mean, like I said, this person very well might be incompetent. No, no, no. That was an example of her being competent. No, I'm saying Joan certainly knew better than to blow up on this girl, but she just yes. got the divorce papers. Right. So she's extremely emotional at that point. I mean. But obviously, Don knew exactly what to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's certainly better that Don takes her out than Roger, than. Oh, yeah. Than Pete. Oh, God. Could you imagine a scene with Pete and Joan like that? Pete doesn't have the balls to take Joan out. <laughs> no. And if he Not did, Joan he would just be like, please. Yeah. So, but, you know, Don is the consummate gentleman. Don't he, I don't even have my coat. He, like, yeah. shrugs his coat off, drapes it around her shoulders, and they're off. Yeah, yeah. And this scene um, in the bar was actually really powerful. I felt like he he completely changed her outlook on the situation for the most part. I mean, at the end of it, she's ready to go over and talk to that guy or at least give him a shot, you know? Oh, we got a lot to talk about. Number one, okay. I felt like... Yes, Don was cheering her up, but she was cheering him up. They both were feeding off each other yeah, because certainly. he clearly enjoyed, you know, getting to the Jaguar dealership and made this, mm-hmm. you know, like taking off her coat, like, oh, look at these. Uh-huh. This is my wife, buddy. Mm-hmm. And gesture of writing the check. Hell yeah. Whip, yeah. I mean, how pimp was that? <laughs> yeah. Like, Here's six, $400 more than the car cost. Right. We have to, oh, so we have to Just write separately. Well, here, the car's mine. Yeah. If I don't come back with it, just cash it, and here's 400 extra for your trouble. Yep. I mean, that was super pimp. Baller. Um, but then at the bar, I had a debate with my listeners and Facebook. Oh, boy. Do you – I my I posited that Jane – god damn it. Joan <laughs> gave Don the green light to commit adultery with her. Oh. Uh, I – no. I think they both knew that that did not need to happen. I very much felt that they both of them understood that it could have happened, but that it doesn't happen there. Well, I mean, when he said, when she says, you know, they're talking about this guy, mm-hmm. but they're also clearly talking about Don because yeah. she's like, well, maybe, you know, maybe he's the kind of guy that he is and she's the kind of girl that she is. And this was – and. Yeah. and this was coming off the Don telling the story about um, the, he asked a quoting Bobby Barrett about you know, I forget the exact turn of phrase but you know they prefer being naughty rather than good mm-hmm. and Jones like yeah I bet you ate that up or took that like tonic and I just felt like when she said well maybe that's just the way he is and maybe that's the way she is mm-hmm. she was basically saying I'm made to be bad. I just got a divorce. Marriage was clearly not for me. I'm kind of meant to be this other woman, and you're meant to be that other guy. We've never done this. We should do this. Not only giving him permission, but making it very damn clear that she would not judge him. Like I, there's times, there's times where Megan or where Joan has judged him. Yeah, yeah. Like when when he uh, uh, fucked that secretary last season, and he got reassigned the the old bat that later yeah. kicked the bucket. Mm became the astronaut <laughs> um you know she i felt like she was kind of judgy yeah. and rightfully so but there she's basically saying i felt you know i know who you got waiting at home i know she's not ugly but i know she's not me yeah but it was so it i don't know the conversation was so open and and by the end of it she's just like she's telling don you're irresistible like you're obviously charming the pants off me but 
both of us, it, it seemed like that that obviousness implied that that couldn't happen. I just, the other that. thing is Don's reaction to that pitch that she made was just like, I wrote in Facebook, it took every ounce of booze in the bar and all six cylinders of the XKE to pull Don out of that situation. Yeah. Like he's literally yeah. racing away yeah. from it. That's a good point. Like Chris Rock's point. lines, like there's not a man alive that can outrun pussy. <laughs> you can outdrive <laughs> it though. <laughs> Apparently if you've got a sexy fast sports car yeah. Yeah. and just the whole reaction is just like he came this, I felt like he just came this close. Okay. Now there's a lot of people that disagree with me. But that's what I think. All right. Uh, so Lakshmi shows up at Harry's office to seduce him in the next scene. Uh, and it apparently works. But it doesn't work like she think it thinks it worked. Uh, I don't know what her plan was. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think her plan is unfolded yet. Here's the thing. Ah. She goes in there. She sleeps with the guy. She knows that he's got a wife and kids. Mm-hmm. He, he fucking built. Yeah, I told him. Told her. He told her. Okay. She's she would be an absolute idiot to just give away her bargaining chip if that was her plan, right? Her plan is to go in there and and seduce him and try and get him to keep Paul in the faith. Okay. She would be an absolute moron if she just went ahead and did it and then expected him to to help her out. But why wouldn't she make that explicitly clear? Like, if you're going to blackmail someone, fucking blackmail them. That's what I'm saying. But maybe I'm thinking her plan is to blackmail him with his family. Here's what I think. Like, cause, <laughs> cause trouble with his This family. is going to end up like Ted from Breaking Bad. Okay. She's going to get a visit from Huel and end up breaking her neck. <laughs> Sliding across the floor. Getting, and hit, and with getting hit with oranges in her ass. Because <laughs> you can't half-ass blackmail someone because this is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. They don't take you seriously and they do what you don't want to do. And then yeah. it all blows up in your face. So you're saying if that was her plan, she should have said, yeah. hey, this is going to come back on your family if you don't. It's Yeah. Do Instead of just kind of hinting at it. Although she's a crazy... Although... She's a little crazy. Okay, play that out. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm sure Miss Crane has her suspicions about yeah. her douchebag husband. Yeah, when he stays out at all hours eating white and, and In fact, I, 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 I thought that in the previous season that he even confessed that he committed. Maybe I'm getting Trudy and, and Pete confused. I know because he did cheat on her. Uh-huh. And then there was... You know, some scenes of him sleeping in his office and having angry conversations with his wife. But hmm. um, play this out. So yeah. some crazy Harry Krishna chick comes to your door and says, your husband's been sleeping with me. Yeah. I mean, if I were a husband and I had slept with the Harry Krishna chick, I think I might say something like, she's a fucking crazy Harry Krishna woman. <laughs> and she just she's trying to pressure uh-huh. me to join her cult because uh-huh. I stopped by and I saw my friend and that she wants to recruit me and I said I wasn't joined. She, yeah. and she said I was going to tell you. If but you don't is j- Harry cool enough to pull that excuse no. off? That and that's the thing. Like I wonder. But does she he, know that? that? That's that's a good question. I don't like wheels within wheels, yeah, man. There's layers here that may not have been pulled back yet. I don't know. I just felt like this was a pretty weird plot device. There's there's a couple readers had some interesting. Or, I'm sorry, listeners had some interesting takes that we'll get to in the feedback section. Okay. But I was very puzzled by why that plan worked. And then again, yeah. like it's almost like he said, well. The gold opportunity for her to blackmail him is when he's like, but you just gave me. Yeah. You, you just gave, gave it, it up. And she instead just slaps him. Yeah. Like, like I, that really hurt her. Like that was. Ah, uh, no, I, I think she was just kind of intimidating him. Oh, okay. But there's, I don't know. We'll, we'll get to some more takes in the feedback. We need to All move right. on. Yeah, we do. 
Uh, Don tries to get Joan to move on and then speeds home drunkenly in his Jaguar. We kind of talked about this already. Um, Harry and Lakshmi argue over Paul's eternal soul. Uh, this is the scene we were talking about last time. We, I guess we kind of got ahead of ourselves here a little bit. Um, Don makes it home drunk and Megan yells at him for not telling her he wasn't going to make it home. He wasn't just a little drunk neither. Uh, no, he was sloshed. I can't believe he made it home. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Uh, I kind of knew he was going to, because it seemed too obvious if they had him get in a car crash there, it was just like the signal 30. Yeah. I was kind of, I, that was going through the back of my mind when I was seeing him do the, I mean, obviously Don Draper can't die. It's certainly, yeah. but I feel like that was Wainer's way of maybe playing with this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know, um, but yeah, you're like not lampshade hanging drunk. You're like knocking lampshade over drunk. Yeah, he did. He knocked the lamp over as soon as yeah. he came in. Use it for a coat hanger. Yeah, and he's not even fat Betty. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think uh, about Megan's reaction? Yeah, uh, I I don't know what to make of it because I've never. I've never seen her, I guess, this angry about something that's so small. Is it small, though? It seems small, the fact that he's out, and then he immediately tells her where he was when he got home. But I feel like this is part of that thing where Roger, or was it Roger? Somebody tells him to set up a routine. Yes. Yeah. I feel like this is that coming home to keep you both out of trouble. I agreed. I I feel like Don is going, and I was listening to Mad Men recap, and Paul on there was just adamant that Don's not going back to his philandering ways. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, really? I think that he... They're pushing it this episode. I feel like they are a lot. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, but I will say that I felt like Megan was a pretty healthy reaction. She was pissed. Yeah, she threw a plate. That's kind of immature. But, you know, she was making it clear that... I'm not putting up with this bullshit. Like, it's rude that you didn't call. And then when I called the office and they're like, you left with Joan in the morning yeah. before lunch, that does seem awfully fucking suspicious. And if she's going to be jealous of anyone yeah. at SCDP, yeah. it's going to be Joan. Sure. So when she finds all that out and Don didn't even call her to tell her what's going on, but she didn't like, she didn't Betty up and like give him the silent treatment yeah. and withdraw and be passive aggressive. She just demanded a dinner. She, well, and that's the thing. She instantly <laughs> yeah. reconnected with him. Like she's still yeah, yeah. pissed, uh, you know, but she's clearly not pushing him away. Yeah. So, yeah. so maybe first time we've seen her, then. is this the first or second time we've seen, this is the second time we've seen him rebuff the whole angry sex thing. Uh, that we've seen her. Yeah, because the first was the when Hojo was incident. Oh, he tried to okay. turn that into yeah. her, and he she wasn't having any of it. And then uh, th- now this. So, so you think that first time was a fluke? Was that just? No, I clearly think it's she didn't that, resist it. Or? I think that's clearly a pattern they had going, but now it's hmm. like not fun for her anymore. Maybe gotcha. All right, um, let's move on. Lane... It's not they're not playing. He's not playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lane lies to his wife about his importance to the Jaguar contract so that they don't have to spend the money to travel for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Lane obviously has no money. We get it by the end of this episode. No, this isn't, and this is, li- you know, lies within lies. And again, yeah. very Breaking Bad-esque because this is very first season Walt Trying lying to, to Skyler, Skyler yeah. and, and feeling like a shitbag because mm-hmm. his, the result of his manipulations made the person super caring and genuine and sympathetic and, like, you know, and you're, but but it's all a lie. Yeah, it 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 really it it felt like 
he felt so bad because it worked so well on her. Well, the thing is... And she was so enthusiastic. And she's so supportive of him in this case. If he would just have been honest with her about how, what kind of fucked up situation they got into from the very beginning, whenever this started, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't she be sympathetic about that? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of pride on on Lane's part. I mean, he's not feeling valued as a partner. Um, He doesn't want that to kind of lead over to his home life, too, I think. I get you. Uh, but the next scene is Roger delivering a bouquet of flowers to Joan. Uh, the note on the bouquet says, your mother did a good job. It's from Ali Khan. Uh huh. Who the hell is Ali Khan? Do I not remember this guy? This This is very old reference. Like it was even old by Mad Men standards, but I guess in the Mm fifties, uh, a prince by that name, like a Saudi Arabian prince. Okay. Uh, is this a Nigerian scam? Either pro- before the days of email. <laughs> either proposed to or married Rita Hay- Hay- Haywood. Hayworth. Hayworth. I'm sorry, Hayworth. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to give credit to the listener that, that told me that. Um, but uh, I think it was Gil, maybe. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Gil Wall says, I did some research, and the note that Joan gets at the end, which I think came from Don. Yeah, it did. Was signed Ali Khan, the real. Uh, Ali Khan, who married Rita Hayworth in f- 1949, uh, he liked redheads, and she was one. So there's like mm-hmm. the symmetry. I think that's the reference he was making. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, oh, you're, you know, you need to find your Ali Khan. Gotcha, gotcha. So, okay. What do you make of this whole? Is this is this, this Don, Don acknowledging there was a moment there? Uh... But then, but 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 getting like close because I don't. Here's the thing. Yes, I think they came very close to having an affair. Mm-hmm. But also throughout the whole scene in the bar, I felt like they were taking turns telling each, like, pumping the brakes. Gotcha. But at the end, Joan, like, completely pushed the gas and Don finally brought it up. I thought this was a nice way to give that moment closure. But I don't think they're carrying a torch for each other. Yeah, I don't think so either, honestly. I think this was more of just, like, a... Uh, a joke to brighten her day a little bit. Well, and it gave her, like, you know, it, again, it's nice closure. Like, yeah. you really are tempting, you know, like, I'm not immune to your charms. It would have been great. Um, and yeah. here's a nice pick you up, but I'm not cheating on my wife with you. Yeah, yeah. Good call. Um, Harry lies to Paul about the script, gives him $500, and tells him to get the hell out, uh, leave for the West Coast. And by the end of it, I guess Paul does. Uh, Paul kind of agrees to, or at least he takes the money and leaves uh, so, the restaurant. <laughs> are we going to see Paul again? Uh, my gut says, yeah. Are we going to see Mother Lakshmi? Hell yeah. Really? Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just don't care. Otherwise, what's the point of this whole episode for Harry? It's kind of redemptive because honestly, he's been a massive douche this whole yeah, season. Right. And I feel That's like true. I like him. You know, I don't, I hate Paul and I hate mm-hmm. Harry. But Paul's kind of like, you know, realization that you're the only one that's actually done something for me. And then a hug felt like a genuine moment, and it made me like both of them a little bit better. Yeah, and I guess Harry has kind of always I mean, been a side character who just pops his head in every What, do we got three episodes left? Four? Three, yeah. Three episodes left. Mm-hmm. We don't have time for Lakshmi to come back to fuck around with Not the Harry season, crane. Not this season, but She's, next season? Eh. The next four seasons, however long they... If she they comes back, I hope it's because Harry actually did fucking convert to Harry Christianism. Yeah. 
I think that actually would make sense. You want to see Harry with the shaved head in a ponytail? I do not want to see a long, drawn-out bullshit blackmail. Because yeah, I, I don't care. We've got that going with Pete, kind of. Like right? I don't like. I it's like I don't care. Like Pete, I love to hate, and uh-huh. Don, I you know, uh, I don't really love him, but he's very watchable. Harry's just yeah. boring, and I don't care. Yeah. If he dies, if he lives, if he gets blackmailed, I just don't want to, I don't want to spend any more screen time on him other than necessary. Yeah. So yeah. if the wiener is listening to me, we'll never see Lakshmi or this whole plot again. He is. Now he's got to go rewrite and refilm next week's episode. <laughs> I mean, come on. What do you do with a guy? Uh, last scene, Pete announces that Mohawk is cutting their advertising budget and Lane has to tell the company. Don puts Pete to shame with a motivational speech. And the, the, the distinction, the juxtaposition of Don's speech with pete speech just what pete thinks is morale boosting to me is a fucking joke oh yeah compared to what don does right uh and and we obviously see that the company thinks he's a joke too uh because don's speech is much where don's like saying your lives are going to be miserable for the next six weeks and people are Mm -hmm. cheering yeah yeah i mean that is a that's a ad man right there just brag about his accomplishments right there on the floor yeah once again no one cares yeah pete's a joke this wasn't about you know, because Pete wanted a glory for himself. Exactly. Don was like, this is us. Mm-hmm. This is our moment. This is... He needs to you know. tell Pete there's no I in team. Yeah. <laughs> or Pete. Wait. There's, no, there's no I in Pete. No, there isn't. I don't know what I meant by that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I don't know. Lane was not happy about uh, Mohawk cutting the advertising budget either. No, because even he has got to know that that's just... He was on a high wire rope, and yeah. now the net was removed. Yeah, yeah. I actually felt like that might be the straw that breaks their back because mm-hmm. they've just been in too much financial trouble. It's weird lately. though because I read a lot of reviews, and a lot of people cited that Lane looked relieved in that final scene. I did not get that at all. Hell no. So like he breathes. I, I was like two different ones. I think. He might be uh, resigned to his fate, but he's not relieved. Right. Uh, Molly Lambert at Grantland said that he's breathing a sigh of relief, and I, I think someone else, maybe it was Seppenwall. Also, I got a hat tip, Molly Lambert. Funny description of Paul Kinsey. Said he looked like Vincent D'Onfrio in Full Metal Jacket crossed with a buttercup baby. <laughs> that is a perfect description for paul kinsey circa 1966 yeah he does kind of look like the guy from full metal jacket sure as shit does uh anyway so i i did i'm glad because i felt like i felt like a crazy man reading these reviews i'm like really oh i didn't know lane's a smart man and he knows that the degree of difficulty of the maneuver he just put uh i mean not only did he set up this elaborate scheme Mm -hmm. but his cloak that he meant to work didn't even work because he was going to get a check with everybody else. Now he exactly. wrote a special exception check, mm-hmm. and now they might need that loan. And by the way, he's not even out of hock because he still has to pay off the lawyer. Uh, yeah, we didn't true. talk about that because he's that like, feet. "Oh yeah, okay, goodbye." Checks in the mail. <laughs> he's just kicking that yeah, to, to to tomorrow. So. I don't know. Crazy. I don't know what Lane's going to do to get out of his current situation. I don't either. He's in serious trouble. It's it's a disaster. Definitely. Uh, and that's it. Although, I don't know. I thought it was funny that uh, when Pete said congratulations and just crickets chirping. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, was, that was a good moment to cap off the episode. Right, right. 
Uh, that's it. Do we want to do some feedback? Yeah. Maybe, maybe just a little bit of feedback. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of Lisa Louise Langford, she mentioned that she goes, hey, I wish you all had real-time open threads, um, which we do kind of have on mm-hmm. Facebook, Facebook yeah. but I don't participate in real-time anyway for two purposes. Number one, um, I usually, especially the last few weeks, as I've had my son a lot, yeah. and um, it's like by the time I watch Game of Thrones and Mad Men, it's, it's past midnight after I put him to bed and, and get caught up in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is, uh, I really, when I don't have him, I love to watch it just as a fan. Yeah. And I, I used to try to do it more in official capacity, but I found it was hurting my enjoyment of the show. So the first, my first watch, I just watch as a fan. I'm not taking mm-hmm. notes. I'm not thinking about, oh, all the math. I just want to let it kind of wash over me. And I know Same a lot way. of shows do like the live Twitter feeds and stuff, but I feel like that leads to starting to watch the show ironically. A little bit. You're yeah. just there to make. It's like, what's the funny quip that I can make, or like all that, which is fine. Yeah, we still want to enjoy watching these shows. Is the problem? Like, I, I, I <laughs> could do that for Walking Dead. Sure. I could sure. even do that for Breaking Bad, probably. Uh, I love Breaking. Certainly Bad too for much. Justified. I, I, mm-hmm. in fact, I, I did do that a lot for Justified. But mm-hmm. Mad Men is just a notch higher as far as you, you kind of got to pay attention, and I just kind of like you do. That's the other thing about Mad Men is it's it's so subtle in so many ways that you have to. Watch it if you want to get anything out of it. Right, you can't so, be tweeting and. But we do have the open thread, so anyone that wants to get in there and make kind of like on you know live commentary with each other, it's it's mm-hmm. it's what's what it's there for. Uh, anyway, uh, John Shepard writes in says uh, Don continues. We're talking a lot of talk about Don being submissive. Um, it's kind of like taken off. Don continues in a different way to be submissive to women. Uh, you know his pet term for Megan is Megalodon. Let's <laughs> uh, say uh, wait. God, what? I need to st- I need to restart this. Don continues in a different way to be submissive to women. Megalodon has him telling him what to do and what to wear all season. He totally backed down from Trudy when he had every intention of refusing to go to dinner party. And Peggy tells him off in the Cool Whip test kitchen. Uh, so he's like finding parallels that he's not just submissive like in the bedroom and stuff like that. He's actually taking a backseat to women a lot this season. And I kind of, when I thought about it, mm-hmm. that kind of rung true to me. Um... He also mentioned that it was a woman that told him uh, to, that he can't smoke in the Cool Whip lab. Yeah. And, like, in his reaction kind of crestfallen, that was another instance of him being whipped. Uh, we asked last week if uh, why panhandling is called panhandling. He says panhandling yeah. got its name because an extended arm resembles a panhandle, especially if you associate it with metal by adding a tin cup to it. Hmm. So that sounds right. correct. It sounds very literal. Um, it says not the elevator scenes have replaced the walk-ins. We talked about the Draper walks, um, but now that uh, Megan has or Megla Megalodon has left SCDP, Dark Shadows had some key elevator action. Pete's announcement about the Times article, Peggy and Roger discussing loyalty and Ginsburg venting on Don all took place in the elevator. There has been a lot of elevator action. Yeah, and then you combine that with the Hell reference we had the previous weeks. We wonder. You know, again, maybe this is a coffee theory, but <laughs> I don't know. Don Don's hell is elevators. Right. Uh, <laughs> I see he he saw Roger nailing Jane as a total power move. For quite a while now, Pete has been making him feel pretty insignificant at work. He's bleeding dough for his on-the-side deals, and he just bought his soon-to-be ex a new apartment. Then at dinner, the client's son hits on Jane hardcore right in front of him. I think he did what he did just to prove to himself that he's still the man telling Jane that kid can I fuck you all he wants. But at the end of the night, it's me who still gets the booty call. Hmm. Um, So what do you think about that? 
Is that a is that a portion? is that an old Roger lapse or is that a new Roger now being enlightened about what he did or? Uh, I think it was initially an old Roger lapse. I mean, mm. he lapsed back and and maybe uh, wasn't as enlightened as he should have been. But then in the end, his his newfound enlightenment trumped it, and he realized how horrible of a, a decision that was. All he right, felt bad about it. Uh, moving on, uh, Diamond Rattler had we asked him to elaborate on his defense of Pete, and he wrote back, mm-hmm. or maybe she. I can't remember if Diamond's a guy or a girl. I think it's a dude. It's a dude. I think so. All yeah. right. Uh, all right, dude. Here's your comment. Uh, he says, <laughs> "We're born." Call it our dude. She looks like a lady. Uh, we're born in this great country with all these opportunities that some of us take it for granted. We're all kids wishing we had more and more. Pete isn't thankful for the life he was given and doesn't really appreciate anything he has. He still has that kid inside of him confused about life. His scene with Peggy uh, several seasons ago when she tells him that she had his baby, that was gut-wrenching. I mean, as a man, that brought tears. Oh, there you go. Dude. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, that brought tears to my eyes. In that scene, I felt that he was a good guy. You could feel that he knew he made a mistake and wished to change it. And yeah, he makes some bad decisions and is an asshole at times, but who the hell isn't? He just wants to get ahead like all of us. He takes bullets and dishes some of his own out. He helped Don protect his identity, and that was an important moment of loyalty. The same when he helped build the current company, bringing all of his contracts over. He went to the airplane meeting with Duck, too, right after his father just died in an airplane. And at least he stood up and fought Lane, right? He didn't talk his way out of it, and he cracked Ken for making fun of Peggy. He's manipulative, but in a good way, I think. Like when he got Trudy's father to sign over his company to Sterling Cooper. He did it to benefit the company. When I see him succeed, I'm glad he does. When he does something assholey, it puts a smile on my face. But more importantly, when he fails, I I feel his failure. Like when he's waiting for that girl in the motel and he ends up throwing a glass against the wall. We can't have everything, but we feel we deserve it. We want that planet in the palm of our hands. What do you think? New appreciation for Pete? I I mean, I get where he's coming from, totally, but... My problem with Pete is that he's just such an asshole all the time when he doesn't need to be. Yeah, he does have flashes of good guy. Occasionally, yeah. You know, especially when it comes to Peggy and Don, because he is weirdly loyal. But but there's he's right that there's that element where you should feel sorry for Pete because all he wants is the world. And if I recall that every one of those moments of so-called loyalty happened after Don found out that he was going to do something shady Mm -hmm. and then basically appealed to his better interests. Like, you think this other firm is going to do blah, 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 but you're not going to be nothing. Here you can be something kind of thing. Hmm. So I – yeah, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to put on the ro- the peat colored roses. Yeah, Wait, I still don't Jesus. like it. The peat colored <laughs> rose glasses. The yeah. peat tinted glasses. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Uh, uh, on the new stuff, Matthew Eikhoff said, "If I had one Christmas wish this Mad Men season, it would be to see some sexual tension between Joan and Don." Well, he Christmas came early. Yeah. Uh, did anyone key in on the fact that they like the same kind of music? Hmm. I don't know that that's true. I mean, I guess the jukebox... Did they say something like that? Well, the jukebox was playing kind of music, the same kind of music Pete was playing in his house. And, and he said stand over by the jukebox, didn't he? Right. And and Pete said, uh, do you like this music? And Don's like, I do. So, and I don't think he would have lied. And, you know, you remember that... Oh, oh, you're talking about Pete and Don liking the same music. No. Joan Joan. And Don. Joan picked that music out. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know that. So I I didn't really make a note of that, but it, it's kind of they're both classic. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. 
that was a hamburger of the episode, but the true flavor lies in Harry's story. Harry asked Paul to give up his worldly possessions in exchange for a new and better way of life. Exactly what the Harry Krishna asked of their followers. Interesting. Indeed. So he's already following one Harry. He's going to switch to another. <laughs> uh, oh, and nice. one more thought on Don and Joan. Joan wasn't just play, pre- playing pretend I'm married to Don Draper. She realistic answers the car salesman with we have four children all together. Because that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, Lisa had some more takes. Uh, Langford. She said, Megan's line, do you want some cheese? Right after their epic fight with the spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems to echo Sonia's line to Astrove in Chekhov's play Uncle Vanya. In which Sonia is really offering her love and not just cheese. That is way mm. too literary a reference for me. Just because I for throw around words minds. like Chekhov's gun doesn't mean I've read his stuff, man. It just <laughs> it means, it means I've read a trope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but that I know who is literary, Matt Weiner, and I bet that yeah. is. Yeah, uh, we apparently have some literary listeners as well. Jeez, that makes sense because I felt like as soon as she had the outburst of anger, she was trying to reconnect with Don. Yeah, yeah. so I, I buy that. Uh, best takeaway for me this week was Don sending Joan Roses sign Ali Khan, which were then delivered by Roger. Now that would be an interesting power triangle. Mm. How much of Don staying away from Joan do you think is just because of Roger. Roger has pissed up and down that territory? Uh, I think it's more Megan right now. Mm. Honestly, still that would be that would be a big. <laughs> Dick. Oh, man. That that would be that'd be one of the few things that could come between. That's Don a violation Roger, right? of the bro code. Exactly. Now, you can date a you can date a buddy's girlfriend, but you got to get the hoodwink. The you hood got wink? to get permission. Oh, okay. You can't clear that stuff, and then you can become you can become Peter's in law, and it can be a a, a unique male bonding <laughs> experience. But you got to check that shit. Wow, I thought you said you weren't literary. Where'd you read all this? I, that's that's the gospel <laughs> of tricky Nicky right there. <laughs> Um, I asked her about, cause she made it often a comment about Dawn's storyline, not going anywhere. And, uh, asked mm-hmm. her, it's like, what did she think about the Mad Men's kind of like tokenism, civil rights stuff? Uh, she said, I think Pete Campbell voiced the most compelling reason to give a rat's ass about people of color a season or two ago when he inquired about the shopping preferences of Negroes vis-a-vis Admiral TV. SCDP needs money and times are a changing, maybe figure out how to do ethnic marketing, uh, could integrate the cast without it looking all revisionist history the way it does with women and feminism, which she parenthetically states, I cannot care less about Peggy's ambition, and I only like Betty's housewife on we because I enjoy seeing her humiliated. All the other women are only interesting as they relate to the men around them. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like Peggy's a genuinely interesting character to me. Uh, yeah, but I like I like Lisa a lot. I mean, I guess it she is seems, through kind of the she lens. She seems like a groovy lady. The lens of the 60s, uh, and that was predominantly uh, male control. Man, Peggy's very interesting, but she, boy, she's an odd duck. She is very Pete-esque, honestly. Uh, you mean as far as, like, personality quirks? Yeah. Like, yeah. she could easily... I, I just wonder, in fact, if she's a lot like Pete, except for we see her in a different way because she is a woman and she's painted not more sympathetically asshole. yeah no she can be a pretty big asshole at times uh, not not maliciously so though she can tell people off but she doesn't do it for no reason like pete no she do. does it for her ambition how is she different from pete because she hasn't raped people tell some people tell lane off just because he's an asshole <laughs> peggy would never have told lane that jaguar meant nothing that he's yeah that's true worthless and ridiculous that's true. all right you might have a point 
don't know. Um, so we got a couple people, and D led the charge here, D Chandler from Facebooks, uh, of switching their bets to Lane on the suicide poll. Because <laughs> I was betting my money on yeah. Megan being to death, but she switched over to Lane now. Um, and Gil joined in and says, he is a desperate man. I'm starting to think that he may be the one to die this season. Uh, he also did the research on Ali Khan. Thanks for much that again. Uh, Kimberly Ginsler. <laughs> Kimmy Gibbler? Ginsler. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, Kimmy, Gim- Kimmy Gimbler. Gibbler. That's my kryptonite, man. Yeah. I think I mentioned that on a podcast before. <laughs> you did. Not this one, <laughs> but you love the Gibbler. I like some creepy. What can I say? <laughs> uh, I think Megan is the polar opposite of Betty, and this is what Don needs or what Don thinks he needs. Betty would have been resentful but never would have confronted him. By the end, uh, by the time she did, it was way too late for them. With Megan, everything is on the table. That seems to be one of the things Don likes about Megan. He may start to feel differently now that it appears that he's getting his work mojo back. I think Megan will be supportive of his work, but I also think they'll be spending more and more time apart, which will most likely become a problem. Yeah. Um, Daniel Mendoza wrote, I found it funny that even at his lowest, Kinsey still can't get it right. You had a vision your first time. Uh, he also wonders if we're going to see Sal again. We've talked about that. Do you actually think that Sal's going to come back or he's gone I, forever? I, I said no before. I don't think he is. I think his story kind of played out. Does um, Paul coming back out of nowhere in a bizarre circumstance maybe change your mind? A little bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Because I, I never expect to see Paul back. But he, he was such a small if, portion of the show. If like, Sal comes back, it's going to be like this kind of guest star role, right? Almost certainly, yeah. Okay. I don't think he'd be uh, a featured guest, like a featured star again. I agree. Uh, Anthony Zumpano says, according to an online inflation calculator, $500 in 1967 would be worth $3,500 a day. Not nice. sure how far that's going to take Paul in L.A. Eh, get him through like a month maybe. Oh, I would think we'd get more. Well, well with travel expenses. and That's the thing. Does inflation work that way? Like, I know that like it's worth that much, but mm-hmm. I don't know how to translate $3,500 today. Like, if you really well, you slumped, think how much would it get you today? Well, but I mean, if you're list, used to living in the commune uh, and you really slummed, how far could you make it in L.A. for that that long? Probably a long way. Yeah, yeah. So I think that it's like maybe a couple months worth. Maybe. Um, anyway, um, Megan Kennedy continues uh, her feedback. She goes, uh, "Oh, we're talking about um, Mother Lakshmi and what yep. her angle was." She says, "I think Mother might be still that scared, alcoholic, promiscuous girl. That's why she slapped Harry." He's telling her a truth that she doesn't want to hear when he says she gives it up too easily. The movement hasn't really saved her at all. I like that. I like that a lot. She also disagreed with me um, regarding Don and Joan. She goes, I'm not sure if Joan was greenlighting him. Joan's very deliberate reference to Megan. And who does he have waiting at home? I bet she's not ugly. And the only sin she's committed is being familiar is a very clear reminder to Don to behave himself. She's actually becoming very motherly, both to Don and Roger. Um, I the only thing is I think she said that before she said the whole but maybe she is who she is and he is who she he is which is like yeah she says that but then she kind of overrides it with her next now if I'm wrong and those orders are completely reversed then I will wave the white flag in advance because then Megan's <laughs> completely right okay she continues I absolutely love this scene and it got me thinking about why these two astoundingly sensual beings haven't gotten together and I think it's because they see each other as equals. Both Don and Joan need to be either submissive or dominant. Joan likes to be dominant in office and yet play the flighty coquette with her man. And Don's tendencies to be t- submissive, dominant, or obvious. Zeus liked to play around with the lesser mortal girls and ruin their lives, but he probably came home to gaze upon Ehera appreciatively and buy her a drink. Very literary again. 
very myth mythological. It's one of my favorite parts of the season to watch, or one of my favorite parts of the season has been to watch Joan really come into her own as a witty, intelligent, powerful woman. She stopped playing games with Roger and treats him like the naughty schoolboy he is. I think Joan's problem is that it, all the tricks up her sleeve when it comes to finding men really conceal her wit and intelligence because she thinks that in order to find a powerful man, one must act submissive. She'll have to learn some new tricks before she finds her equal. Totally agree. In fact, I said yeah. that at the beginning of the season that she's kind of the anti-Peggy. That if she yeah. was a little bit younger, she wouldn't have played the game to yeah. the way she has. And we see that kind of in Megan, right? I mean, Megan is not yeah. the submissive type that, and, and, that Joan thinks Don would want. Right. And now Joan's trying to turn it around, and mm-hmm. we'll see how successful she is. Uh, Eric Tobb says, I love Paul's artificially filthy schmata. I think that's how you pronounce it. Did you notice that? His, his little oh, outfit. A, a, like a stain up at the top? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. You can't afford laundry, man. It's like three quarters. I couldn't help it. Which is that. like $3,000 in today's money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for inflation. You know that stain was put there, so we'd notice that it never, ever went away. I have to assume that the rationale behind Mother Nympho doing Harry in his office is it gives her leverage over him and that she could threaten to make trouble for him at work. Although, considering the amount of yeah. stuffing... That goes on the work at Mad Men World. He probably just get high fives. <laughs> probably. He also wants to know when is the last time we saw Don so charming uh, with Ooh. his hat, etc., and as happy as he All was in a bar at, with John. Maybe the end of last season with Megan mm-hmm. uh, on vacation. Yeah, but he seemed. He wasn't I, as charming. Again, there, I went. But he was happy. I went back and rewatched the episode. I still maintain to this day. Don was totally artificially happy and scared to fucking death when he came into the office and was showing him off his fiance. He looked terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I, I think sometimes it's like, oh, he knew he, she was perfect to him. Is a little bit revisionist history because it sure wasn't filmed and shot and acted that way. Well, I mean, you have to think why. I think what he was nervous about was telling everybody else. I mean, like, like he knew that this was he, a good fit, but yeah, like he really sensed that? that Megan was going to be the strong, dominant, sexually kinky, angry, sex having, brilliant advertising girl with the brief. I mean, come on, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly he didn't know all that. I actually, in the last thirty seconds, I've almost talked myself out of the storyline entirely. <laughs> it's a good thing we had seventeen months to forget some of that wiener. Uh, Lisa Schmidt also says, I don't think Joan is greenlighting Don. The whole bar scene, she took the whole bar scene as two people have worked together for a long time with mutual respect. I think they were both feeling comfortable enough or drunk enough to be totally honest with each other and to flirt knowing it wasn't going to go any further. I was wondering about the flowers the next day, though. Was that just a nice gesture, a hint of things to come? Jim? Uh, I'm, I'm totally on board with her. As far as the question at the end, I think, like I said before, that it was just kind of a... Uh, like you said, a good way to close it and uh, a joke. Uh, and Jamie Teakle agrees with you. She's the one that mentioned the connection of the Negron episode. What is it, the Negron complex with yeah. the Let That Be Your Last it's Battlefield? Negron, Peggy. <laughs> uh, sure it is. Um, she says, it wasn't my impression that either Joan or Don ever intended to sleep with each other. The Roses is a nice gesture in light of divorce and in yeah. light of Don joking about how he thought she was a hard ass. My mother raised me to be admired. I put that on my Twitter feed right after I heard it. Paused the episode and everything. What a stunning line. That was a good line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we got three more to go. Jason from the Nattercast says, Interesting that Don used the phrase, Great Leap Forward, to inspire the workers about the Jaguar contract. 
Yeah, I thought that was too. The Great Leap Forward from 1958 to 1961 was a catastrophic social and economic reform plan implemented in communist China. It resulted in tens of millions of deaths, five or six times the Holocaust by some estimates, and considered the prime example of the excesses and abuses of national communism. While the figures may be exaggerated, surely everyone in the room would think of a great leap forward along with Titanic and Hindenburg as examples of hubris leading to disaster. Mm -hmm. Maybe everyone at SCDP should read the rest of Ozymandias, the boobs. (laughs) That's a very good point. Um, But the only thing is I don't know in the West that the great leap forward was known at that time that it was such a catastrophic disaster. But – uh, I don't know. That's a very. Honestly, I didn't know. It's that. like if someone mentioned in connection with Ginsburg the term "final solution." Oh god, that would have to be a Holocaust reference. Uh-huh, I yeah. feel like in this time frame, if you say the Great Leap Forward, it has to be a reference to that incident. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's a good point. Um, notice the similarity between the staging of the dialogue between Don, Pete, and Roger, and the staging of the play that Don and Megan attend. Minimalist background. Did you notice that? Uh, saying which that two scenes, the play and the scene where initially Pete was trying to get their approval about the Jaguar contract. Hmm, I didn't know. I that. also, I think the way this guy plays Pete when he's in a public role and hmm. the guy that was laying down on the stage and talking, they kind of have similar <laughs> acting styles. Oh yeah. Which Pete's not even acting. That's who he is. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also see the theme as, of money as a short-term solution. Joan refuses Roger's child support. Paul says that money solves today, not tomorrow. Yeah. And Lane complicates his tax problems in the U.K. by committing forgery and embezzlement in the U.S. Jason, bringing the thunder again. He does. He always does. Again, Nattercast at blogspot.com. Uh, if you want to keep up with his Game of Thrones, I think that's his current podcast. And he also oh, does cool. Breaking – I want to say Breaking Bad. But if you want to find him uh-huh. more of his insights, check it out. Uh, Tina says – Megan's no Betty. Did you see the way she reacted when Don returned home? As she threw the plate of food against the wall, I thought she was never going to be the passive-aggressive and um, politely ignore his bad behavior. She's very aware of who (laughs) Dick and Don are and were. Uh, She said, Joan and Don's interaction was somewhat incestuous, and I was somewhat intrigued at the strength of it all. The sheer force of two strong, grown characters making a connection. But alas, we know how Don likes the beginnings of things, and so life with Joan, not so much. That's a very good word, incestuous, because... That feels right. Like they're more brother sister. Yeah, and just, it'd be a very Lannister feel if they were to ever hook up. Now that she mentions it. Yeah, and very complicated. Very. Yeah. The, there's too much mixed up in that equation. Uh, Paul Kinsey joined Harry Krishna. No shock there. He's always trying to find himself. His next stop will be as a white advocate of the Black Panther Party, <laughs> which started in 1966 and it's a liberal a Chappelle skit or something, <laughs> and a liberal gentrifier in 1996. Let me put this out there one more time. If Paul Kinsey can make a comeback. I need Matthew to bring Sal back sooner or later. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, if they bring back Saul, I will be Bald Moves official lesbian correspondent. So we need a gay man. I think we've collected the entire set of, I mean, we've got the, the, the call girl correspondent, Uh several sixties correspondent, black correspondent, lesbian correspondent. We need gay. And I think we we will be covered. Definitely. What else could we need? Uh, astronaut. Astronaut. 69. Yeah. We're going to need an (laughs) astronaut correspondent. Um, (laughs) let's see. Tom in West Virginia said a few years ago, I put my handyman skills to a test. I received permission from my wife to carve out a section of our basement for a small home theater, throw up a couple walls and nice. a do-it-yourself experiment rack, or do-it-yourself equipment rack, a ceiling-mounted 1080p projector, sound processor, speakers, theater-like red curtains, yeah. seating, a Tony Soprano poster, and a screen, and I was done. 
Hell yeah. If you put in a Scarface poster, you would have had an MTV Cribs episode going on. <laughs> that is pretty pretty pimp there, Tom. Yeah, that's this awesome. past Sunday, I feared my screen would ignite during one of Joan and Don's scenes. These mm. two are hot. Too hot to ever be a thing. Together, they would be like looking directly into the sun. <laughs> if they ever were to kiss, a viewer's eyes would melt. It's like looking... It's like opening, looking at the opening of the Lost Ark. To quote Indiana, don't look at it no matter what happens. Be like looking into your fancy projector. Those things are bright. Yep. <laughs> um, Alex F. said a few assorted suggestions or observations. It's great to see Lane again, but he'd almost forgotten how pathetic he'd become. I think he just jumped up a few spots on the character's suicide sweepstakes, oh, establishing yeah. early on that all is not well in the world of Lane, then having him go off. About his business off camera for a few months in a show's time, then finally bringing him back as problems come to head. That concept could work if the payoff is good enough, which I expect it will be. It's also a very economic use of his character if they've only got four or five showings of him. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. Moving on. Some folks I know were a little baffled by the Harry Lakshmi dog, doggy style office sex. I thought our motivation was pretty obvious, but if it comes up as a subject for debate in the podcast, my take is that rather than have Harry keep hanging out with Paul in hopes of getting in her pants, she just wanted him to bang her and get it over with so he'd stay away. Hmm. I like that take the best. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because she kind of got that horn dog vibe and like he's never going to leave. Oh, yeah. So I think that feels correct. Yeah, that's the big thing I was picking up the entire time that he was at the, the temple thing. Right. Was that he has the hots for this girl. He's interested in her. I mean, she destroyed, like, look, I know what you want. Mm-hmm. I gave it to you. But now I'm going to let you know who I really am and how I really operate. So you get that I'm not to be fucked with. And I'm going to slap you yeah, in the face. Yeah, that's a pretty solid take. Yeah, I like that. Nice and nice one, Alex. He says, I've also come around to the view that nobody's going to bite the dust this season. All the death imagery we've been seeing is just that imagery. It's been so pervasive, in fact, that it would be a little too obvious at this point if it turned out to all be foreshadowing a major character's death. I get the sense that it's more about symbolic death. Very fitting since season five is all about the changing times. The big death is a slow one that we've been playing out this whole time. The death of the way things used to be, both in the characters' lives and the world around them. America will never go back to the idyllic for some world of the 50s and 60s. Life for these characters have changed just as permanently. So I'm calling it. The only yeah, things yeah. dying this season are the 50s, Don's invincibility, Pete's American dream, and Sally's innocence. Yep. And Lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Shep is our final con- t- uh, uh, final yeah. contributor. Uh, he says, until Megalodon tossed the spaghetti and ordered Don to sit down and eat, I thought she was pre- um, pretty with it. Another display like that, and Don's going to have to choke the bitch. So, <laughs> And he will. You, maybe. Um, I don't know. I got the opinion that that's what Don needed, and he like was yeah. weirdly respectful of the display. Uh, I don't know. I have a hard time reading the relationship, but I'm kind of with you here, I think. Uh, I liked how Don took off his jacket while giving the inspirational speech at the end, sending a message that he's ready to dig in. I'm surprised he didn't roll up his sleeves as well. Yeah, it was a very campaign stop type of thing. Do you think Don will ever get into politics? Uh, Would that be an interesting thing ooh. for the direction for this to take? Because that's kind of natural evolution for advertising, right? Yeah, maybe so. Um, does the letter contribute to that at all? That's what I was wondering. He's out of the ad world. If kind he's of burnt now. his bridge to the yeah. ad world, but he's kind of like dipped his toe in advocacy waters. Yeah, yeah. Public service and that kind of campaign. Couldn't wouldn't Don be a kick ass campaign manager? Oh, certainly. Certainly. Well, I, I think Don would be good at whatever he tries. Uh, and I could but. see him pulling, like, you know, Peggy with him. 
Yeah, maybe. Hmm. So Roger has a heart attack. Pete blows off his head. Maybe. Lane hangs himself in the office. Bert <laughs> dies of natural cause. Joan, no, Peggy, they- and Don form a political action oh, committee God. or consulting firm, and that's what's going to be the next season. See, I was thinking Pete would actually get his wish, and he would just basically take over SCDP. Don would be dissatisfied and then go on a camp- political campaign to get them shut down, like against all their clients. <laughs> Outlaw SCDP? No, no, no. But against all the clients that they advertise oh, for, like you okay. did with smoking. Okay, like do a smear campaign. Yeah, yeah. Mohawk runs off the tears of children. <laughs> that's how they power the planes. Jet fuel scientifically is ninety five percent child's tears. No, they, that's how they, their scabs were uh, underage children workers. Go. Yeah. So, um, I like it. That's all we got. All or right. Outro. Yeah. You like to keep up with everything Don or Jesus Christ. You're no Don, Jim. <laughs> I'm no Don. I'm sorry. Everything that Jim and I are doing, go to baldmove.com. We've got complete coverage of uh, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead, as well as Mad Men, Breaking Good, Breaking Bad, rather, and uh, Justified. You can also follow me on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash baldmove, and Jim at Twitter, at baldmove. You can send us email uh, to leave us feedback at madmen at baldmove.com. And to support us, a couple ways you can do that. Tell a friend. Uh, if you know a fellow madmen friend, send them our way. Uh, if you would like to also help us out, I'm really having a hard time iTunes, with the outro. Man. iTunes, iTunes thank Amazon. you. That's all you got to do. We need iTunes. We're, we kind of slowed down on the iTunes review. Um, Night's Watch fans are kicking the Mad Men's fans' ass. They are. You hear that, guys? 280 reviews to like 80-some, which is still good. Oh, and, hell yeah. But uh, um, if we could get over to 100, I think that would put us back on the top of the ratings and... So yeah. Maybe uh, put a bounty out on there. Can I make a slight announcement on the show? Sure. We're also on Stitcher. I mean, I don't know that the people who are downloading the podcast through iTunes really need this information, uh, but we just got on there last week with uh, Mad Men and a couple of our other podcasts. We've been on Night's Watch for a while. Yeah, Night's Watch has been up there. Walking Dead has been up there, but now we've got the other three up there. We had a couple so, of listener requests, so hopefully that makes a couple of people happy. Exactly, yeah, and I talked with them, and their customer service is awesome. They, they really They got back are. to me in like an hour, and it was done. They give you lots of information about it. Yeah, uh, so if you if you use Stitcher and you want to check us out on there, we are on there. Cool. And finally, if you'd like to materially contribute to us, contribute to us, there are two ways to do so. One is to use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com. Or also, if you go to baldmove.com, we have a nice, bright, uh, yellowish-orange banner that will take you right there. Mm-hmm. Anything you buy during that session will go. Uh, we get a tiny little cut off Amazon's profit on that. And also, that's yeah. just for that session. So, like, you know, if you want, if you buy stuff on Amazon every day and you want to use the link, you kind of it's kind of a pain in the ass, but you got to use it every day. It's not just like a one set cookie thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, also, we have a Flatter account. If you go to baldmove.com, there's a little logo on the left, and it's a way that you can actually. I don't know why anyone would want to, but <laughs> give us money directly. Uh-huh. You're not getting anything out of the deal. Nothing. You're just giving <laughs> us money. Do you understand how that works? <laughs> we're You're... giving you free content. You don't have to give us money. Yeah, it's not like we're going to stop or hold our hand hostage. <laughs> you're you're putting money into an internet account, which is crazy anyway, and then you're instructing some third party to give us that money. Why would anyone do that? Uh, I don't know. People are, but it baffles me. So, yeah. to they, generosity, they the human us. spirit, Jim. They love it. My cockles are aglow. <laughs> All right. I don't even know what those are. Uh, it's probably dirty. Probably. Disgusting. Uh, next week, the episode is going to be called The Other Woman. Kind of a dangerous title there. 
with everything we've seen. Uh, I wish I up to it. I wish I would read the future titles before we did the podcast because I would be. I would, yeah, I, I would climb your... that Joan Hill a little bit harder. Sure, sure. Well, Don might be climbing it next week. I don't uh, think is. I think it's all. Sh- I think it's all a ruse. I think it's just going to be more feedback or fallout of the jealous Megan drama thing. All right. Well, we shall see <gasps> next week. Or maybe it's Beth coming back. And until then, <laughs> I'm Jim and I'm Aaron. See ya. Mm-hmm.